Hey, my friends, welcome to Real Live Talk. I'm your host, Duke LaMastra, and I'm so pumped that you're here to check out this episode with Joe Courtney. You'll hear Joe's bio in just a minute, but I'm so excited that you're here because this conversation with Joe is a conversation that I believe really, really matters. Joe serves both the business world and the church. He has a lot of stuff, great stuff on his plate, but one thing that he's so passionate about in the midst of all of it is, and something that he's learning to model really, really well is his commitment to his family. And, you know, we can all get caught up in the good stuff we're doing and neglect the things that matter the most. It happens to pastors, it happens to CEOs, it can happen to anyone. So this conversation centered a lot around the importance of cultivating the relationships in our lives that matter the most, practical ways to invest and be present with the people that we love, And uh, we also talked a lot about developing a value system and operating in life from that place and how growth, increase, advancement, etc. really become the byproduct of your faithfulness to the assignment of God on your life. I really think you're going to enjoy this episode and get a ton of value out of it. If you do, please consider subscribing, sharing, liking, leaving a review. I really appreciate you and I hope you enjoy this discussion with Joe Courtney. And just really excited to get into this conversation. My guest for today is Joe Courtney. And Joe serves both the business world and the body of Christ. He's been a missionary in Central Asia as well as Western Africa. He's planted and pastored churches. He's also toured with several worship bands. Currently, Joe is the CMO for two multi-eight-figure companies. And he's also the founder and senior strategist of Wild Story, which is a fast-growing branding and marketing agency serving businesses in the natural and holistic health space. Uh, He's also a husband and father of three girls. And Joe and I go way back to uh, to Bible college back in like 2004, 2005. And so, um, yeah, and there's plenty more that I could have said. I'm sure we'll get into we'll get into as much as we can, as much as we have time for. But Joe, really appreciate you, brother. I've been looking forward to this conversation. So thanks for being here. Yeah, it's great to be here. Can you hear me okay? Uh, I can hear you okay. And um, in just a minute, I'll I'll just check and see where we're at and make sure the volume's good awesome, and dude. all that kind of yeah. stuff. But but yeah, man. So uh, just real quick, how are you? How's life? How's the family? Oh man, life is life is good. You know, uh, coming up on. Um, Coming up on a birthday, you know, I always think a lot about, you know, what has life meant until this point? You know, I'm going to be 38 soon, coming up on our 15th wedding anniversary as well, married to my bride, Sheena, three beautiful daughters. We're kind of on that, like, you know, is life full right now? Is it complete or do we want to add baby number four? So that's just between us, um, right? But uh, we'll see <laughs> we'll, what happens We'll edit there. that part out, yeah. Yeah, just edit that out. We're live yeah. though, right? Yeah. <laughs> so surprise, Sheena, I want a fourth child. So now you know. Yeah. That's awesome, cool, brother. Man. Yeah, man. Uh, well, it's interesting that you say that because me and Denise have been uh, in those same, you know, same sort of mode of life, same conversations and talks and mine are 10 and six. And so, you know, there'll be a pretty big gap there um, yeah. if uh, if baby number three comes. But yeah. it's, uh, well, but it's yeah, great. Man. It's great, Duke, you know, because then you'll have built in babysitters. You know, exactly. that's we're loving life right now. We're like, we'll see you guys later. You know, <laughs> so we're out of here. So we're actually dating again. You know, it's fun. Oh, yeah. I love it. That's awesome. Yeah. Where are you guys located again? Uh, right now we're in we're outside of Pensacola, Florida at the moment. And we're building a home 
that's um, it's a, a town called Freeport, Florida. So it's just across the bay from Grayton Beach, a little uh, just paradise strip of beach in the panhandle of Florida called 30A. You know 30A though, right? You ever been down this way? I don't. <laughs> you don't? I'm very familiar uh, with Pensacola, but that's about, yeah. uh, that's about the extent of my panhandle experience. Oh man, the panhandle gets better the further east you go. Come on over, okay. all right? Yeah, okay. Cool, man. So, hey, Duke, how did we meet, man? What's uh, it was it was in Bible school. Were we in the same year, or was it? No. So I believe um, I was a I was a freshman when you were a senior. Okay. Pretty sure. Did you did you graduate in 05? I graduated in 05. It should have been 04. I took a little year off to do some soul searching and money making. You know, I ran out of cash, so okay. <laughs> came came back and finished. Graduated 05. Yeah. Okay. Well, if you hadn't done that, then I probably never would have met you. So, <laughs> hey, man. Hey, God so knew because here we are. <laughs> your last year linked up with my first year. So, otherwise, oh, that's that fun. probably wouldn't happen. But, um, but yeah. So, yeah. So, we go way back. What is that, man? That's like almost, what is that eight, 17 years or so ago? Yeah. Uh, it's so crazy. So, what did you do immediately after Elam upon graduating? Like, what was sort of, how did, you, how did the world meet Joe Courtney at that point? So you coming out of Bible college, like what was your sort of first steps after that? Um, my first steps after that was um, when I graduated, I was on the fence between doing some missions work in Central Asia. Um, it was, uh, I think we, it was called Operation Acts 1-8, uh, Derek Lewandowski, Phil Neville, two incredible right. men of God that I still stay in touch with. Phil less so. Phil, we need to reconnect if you're watching this. Um, but awesome guys. And uh, they said, hey, why don't you take some time and do some missions work? And uh, I think they called it musicianaries, right? So we're musicians. I was a guitar player. Um, and so I went to Kazakhstan for a season and um, did some trips over to Central Asia, just doing music ministry over there. And you know what was so funny about that is I think I got the wrong idea. Because when you go to Central Asia and they hear American rock band, you have like you know, 10,000 people show up. So you're playing for the sea of people. You know, okay. and you come back to the United States and you start playing and it's like, oh, man, like I'm really famous in certain municipalities and townships in Western New York. You know, like you've got like 80 people there. So, yeah. you know, I thought, man, it's like rock star status, man. So um, but, uh, you know, it was a touch of reality when you come back to the States, especially playing in the Northeast. That's a can be a tough crowd. But uh, I was thankful for that season. Met my wife on tour, mm -hmm. uh, met her in a little church and uh, outside of Fredericksburg, Virginia. And um I just, man, she was the one. So uh, the Lord the Lord has this way of tying up all these loose ends in our lives, right? I had this very linear plan, all the steps yeah. I was going to take that led to something. And a lot of that didn't work out. And in hindsight, I'm so thankful um, that he had his way and I didn't have mine. Wow, that's awesome, man. Yeah. Do you remember sort of like what your process or, or your, your thought process was like going to Elam Bible Institute? now Bible Institute in college, I guess they call it. But, yeah. but so back in the day, like when you were, did you, were you right out of high school? I mean, did you graduate high school and then go right to Elam or did you have something in between there? Yeah, I, I graduated uh, high school and I actually showed up as a freshman, 17 years old. Yeah. Okay. So um, for the first couple of weeks anyway, but yeah, I was a young guy, you know, uh, full of religious zeal. Um, again, thinking that I had a lot of answers. Um, I was on the fence between three different things. It was either going to be architecture at Drexel University uh, or constitutional law at Patrick Henry College. It was very, wow. 
very immersed in that in that season. Still have a passion for it, but it's not as much of a focus now. Although it's a, one of our homeschool curriculum subjects is constitutional law. Um, but um, but yeah, and then it was, do I pursue ministry? And the Lord gave me a word. Um, at least He impressed something on my heart. Can't say I heard an audible voice, but I was in a worship service, and you know I was praying for the Lord to bless my plans. And he interrupted that with this thought that came to me. And it was, I'm calling you to the root, not to symptoms. And so that's not to belittle anyone who does anything other than, you know, a focus on ministry, right? Constitutional law can be a great pursuit. Um, But I knew that in my life, how that was supposed to manifest was I was supposed to pursue uh, a ministry education uh, and that the Lord wanted to use me to um, help people at the root in their lives and uh, not just chase symptoms. And I think that's, um, that's unfolded itself in some unexpected ways, especially dealing with uh, doctors and practitioners and holistic and more, uh, more of a holistic approach to health now. Um, but uh, yeah, it was funny. So I took that step, went to Bible college and um, not knowing what I was in for. And okay. uh, I don't think I would have done it if I knew what I was in for. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I would have it done a- it. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's so funny how God uh, just doesn't, he doesn't tell us things that we don't need to know at the time. You know, he just kind of <laughs> gives us, it, I, I love uh, how Isaiah says that he declares our end from the beginning. <laughs> and he's, he's so good at that. He's so good at showing us like sort of where we're going but not necessarily all of the stuff that it's going to take and require of us and the change that's going to need to happen and the mindset shifts and the things we're going to have to like give up along the way and all these things that happen on the way there uh, because we don't need to know like we don't need to know at the time and he's going to walk us through that process you know i think i think for sure if he showed us what it was going to take and what it was going to cost we probably wouldn't do anything (laughs) well yeah i mean where we are the call to christ is Bonhoeffer says and scripture says, right, is a call to come and die. And um, that sounds like a, this kind of disembodied concept until it becomes very real for you. So, wow. you know, when the when the Lord calls you to something, oftentimes it means that something else is going to have to die unless, a, you know, unless the seed dies, right? Nothing grows. Yeah. Um, and I think that we get very excited about the moment that we feel directed to take a step. Um, and, uh, you know, not knowing that, um, there's going to be some crucifixion of things along the way. So, yeah, for sure. Thank God. For sure. And, and I think it's that way. I think it's that way with everything that we want to pursue in life. I think everything that we do, like, I mean, talk about starting a business or talk about following Jesus. Yeah. Like it all starts with a decision. You know, maybe there's like, there's like a big decision to like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to go after this. I'm going to pursue this. I'm going to give my life to this. But then it's like all of the little decisions, the daily decisions, the things that you have to keep deciding that you're going to do in pursuit of this calling or this dream or, you know, whatever it is that we're talking about that really becomes the, 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 the most important thing, you know? Um, yeah. I mean, yeah. it's one thing, again, like, I think it's one thing to make that big decision, which is always important. It's always important to make that first step, but then it's just like, you know, just choosing, all right, I'm just, I'm choosing to continue <clears throat> to 
fix my mind this way. I'm choosing to set my heart this way. I'm choosing to, you know, put these people in my life or go after this. You know what I mean? Just sort of those daily Absolutely. decisions. Yeah. 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 You know, it's, it's interesting. There's, um, you know, I think there's just things that we have to deal with if we're going to become ourselves, at least mm -hmm. the ourself that yeah. the Lord wants to lead us into being right. I remember my dad um, saying, you know, he would come home from a long day at work and he would remind himself at the door before he turned the handle, you're not done yet, you know, wow. and then he would enter into our home and he would engage Love my that. mom who'd had a long day homeschooling us. I was homeschooled K through 12. Um, and then he would, you know, get on the floor and play with the kids and engage us. Um, and we were completely ignorant to what he had just been dealing with at work. Yeah. Right. It was just, Hey, yeah. dad's home and he's available. Right. Yeah. And so I, I always think about that, you know, and his name's Joe as well. You know, he's saying, you're not done yet, Joe. And then he would enter in. So I think that the call to come and die is a lot more practical um, than sometimes we might uh, expect. Yeah. Wow. Oh, that is so cool. I love that. <laughs> I love that. I, I, um, it's a little bit different for me these days because I, I do most of my work is, is done from home at the, at this present time. Yeah. But, uh, I, I used to do that, man. Like I would, uh, I'd be working in like the restaurant or something and I would, I'd come home and I would just, if it was a particularly difficult day, I would try to remember to do that. Just like sit in my car for a few moments, like before getting out and coming inside and just making sure like, let all the the stuff and the frustration and all that just kind of like wash off. Yeah. Because otherwise I'm going to go inside and I'm going to like take out my frustrations on my family. Yeah. <laughs> and, get, and treat them in a way that they don't deserve to be treated or just, to, you know, even ignore them or just what, whatever it is, whatever it might look like. But yeah, it's just uh, lack of presence. Yeah, right. So, yeah, man, it's so important. And one of the things that you that you um, that I read that that you wrote about um, just in like a bio kind of a thing, I think it was. You said that your your ministry right now is to your family and, you know, your wife and your three daughters. And, you know, I, th I think that that's something that we all like to say, mm -hmm. <laughs> like as far as uh, especially people in ministry. I think that's something that we really like to say. Yeah, my first ministry is my family. Right. But I wonder how often that that's actually the case, that that's actually the result of of our actions. You know what I mean? And it's so it's so it is the most important thing, you know, if, I mean, of course, our ministry to God, um, you know, and, and just maintaining that sonship and that connection with him. That's where we get the strength for even, you know, pouring into our families and everything else. But yeah, but as far as like, you know, making sure that you're there emotionally present, you know, not just physically, but emotionally present with your family, mentally present with your family, um, you know, so key. How it do you is. feel about that? <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I feel a lot about that. Um, yeah. You know, and it's not something I can speak to um, that I've mastered. This, sure. is a, this is a constant process of fail, pick yourself back up, get back in the game. Fail, pick yourself up, get back in the game, right? It's, sometimes it's like, you know, if we're the quarterback of the home, uh, we get sacked sometimes, right? <laughs> and you got to shake off, shake it off and get back up behind the For line. Sure. And, you know... I think about this first ministry being family, right? Like, well, what does that mean biblically? And what does it mean practically? Mm -hmm. You know, um, especially when I was in full-time ministry in a pastoring role, it was probably the most challenging. Um, even with all the entrepreneurial stuff that I have going on right now, it was most challenging when I was leading in a 
in a church environment. Wow. And one of the things that struck me it was back in probably about 2013 or so. Um, Zoe, who's my oldest, she's 12 now. <clears throat> she said, um, Dad, um, I said something like, do you like going to church? And, I, and she said, yes. And I was all excited. You know, Why do you love going to church? And she said, because I get to see you. Oh, man. And oh, my goodness. Um, so, yeah, I get uh, I don't I don't cry very often. I get choked up even thinking about that, you know. And so there's there's a couple things. The first call to biblical discipleship, right, is uh, is it Deuteronomy six or 16. I, I'm a little bit rusty on that. It's in Deuteronomy and it's a charge to raise up your children in the ways of the Lord so that when they're old, they won't depart from it. Yeah. And, you know, so if that's the first charge to discipleship in Scripture, I think that's a pretty big deal, especially when you fast forward to the thing that Jesus said in Matthew 28. He said, uh, you know, go and make disciples. That's the thing he told us to go and do. And, you know, Mike Breen articulates this a lot better than me. He has a book called Building a Discipling Culture. But he said something to the effect of uh, when we set out to build the church, we don't always get disciples, right? But when we make disciples, we always get the church. Come on. And so, you know, it's like, man, so Jesus said, go make disciples in Matthew 28. Matthew 16, he says, I will build my church. And I think a lot of times we, we get very busy doing the job that it's, it's actually Jesus' job, not our job. Wow. Right. And we've kind of yeah. abdicated Good. the very local, nitty gritty, human to human role that he's called us to, which is to make disciples. I mean, you can't disciple a crowd. I used to think that, man, I just preached in front of, you know, uh, seven services with 1200 people in each service, right? Like, hey man, I've like arrived or something. Well, not really because you can't disciple a crowd. Wow. So, you know, if we've lost our accessibility to people, um, then we've really lost the mission of God hmm. that he's called us to. And it all begins all the way back, go back to Deuteronomy. So where do I begin? Begin with your family. If you're not doing it there, you have no good news to share with people. Um, hmm. wow. So, yeah, man, it's, it, that, that's very real to me, especially after the experiences um, that I've had. And just raw and real, you know, almost losing my family a couple times with a wife who just said, I'm done. And she was justified in saying so. Wow. So being present as a dad is, uh, and as a husband is everything to me. Yeah. Wow. It's, it's so crazy because, um, unfortunately, you know, I hear those stories all too often of people that are, um, either, you know, pastors or in some form of ministry that, um, really are just having a, a difficult time at home. Um, I mean, you know, we, it was kind of like the not the not the joke, but just sort of like the the unfunny reality was like uh, growing up. It was always like the pastor's kids always tended to be like the worst. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the kids like I went to Christian schools like all my life until I got into tenth grade, and uh, all my life. So it was like always the pastor's kids were the ones that they were like the worst kids in school. Like they were always like cussing the most and always just kind of <laughs> getting in trouble and rebelling and stuff like that. I was like, man, like what, you know, what is this? And it's, uh, I, I think that we can just be so deceived into I'm doing the work of the Lord 
and you know putting that as like up on this pedestal of something right. and like the people need me and they need me and and yeah they do but like what they really need is jesus and like you said like i'm not the one that's responsible for building people like to an, to an extent i am but like i can't i can't make the people dependent on me like mm -hmm. when they become dependent on me and they're looking at me then like if something happens to me or i'm not there then what's going to happen to them like they're going to fall apart so we're not yeah. building we're not building people on the on a personality we're not building right. a ministry on a personality we have to establish what we're doing on christ and constantly make it our aim to point people to him and then i think that that if we would live like that and remember that it would free us up so much um, to really focus on the things that really matter the most, you know? Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> you know, I remember being in a prayer service in one of our pastors uh, standing at the front and saying, and Lord, thank you for taking care of our families while we build your church. Oh. And what kind of an inverted perspective yeah. of, of what we're really called to do, you know? Um, again, my dad was a great influence on my life, still is, you know, and uh, he's, he would remind me, he said, Joe, your family are your ministry credentials. You know, don't think because you have a, a degree in, in theology or anything like that, that, that that qualifies you. And so, you know, when I left full-time ministry, really for the, it was a significant leaving. I had been in and out of full-time ministry you know, ever since I, uh, I graduated from Elam. Um, but this was a significant leaving. It was in 2014. I, I resigned my role at a, at a large uh, multi-site church. Um, I was the adult ministries pastor, so over uh, discipleship in the church and volunteers and small groups and all those different things. And it, we had just experienced, like, I think, 2x growth in a single small group season just with a lot of emphasis so it, in a lot of ways it looked like winning mm -hmm. and but on the home front there were some harsh realities of a family that was just done mm. with this grind um so i made a decision to resign and that was our our move to colorado back in 2014 which which absolutely transformed our marriage and our family you know i was reading bedtime stories to the girls every night i was brushing their teeth Every, the unglamorous family man kind of stuff that actually in hindsight is probably some of the most meaningful things that I've ever done. Yeah. Man. But what that does is it, it, it gives us, it helps us to live in the reality of the good news that we're preaching. Hmm. And if we're not doing that, then what are we really inviting people into? So I think about this term hospitality. When you look at uh, biblical qualifications for church leadership or eldership, one of those things, it's not just can teach, is of good reputation. It's must be hospitable. Yes. Maybe we've lost that in an age of inaccessible personality-driven ministers, right? When's the last time that you opened up a table to 14 other people and let them have access to your life where they get to see the mess? Wow. I don't see that happen a lot. I know some people are making a great effort to do that. I commend that. Yeah. But what... It's, it's what are we able to invite people into? So a short story, there's a young guy when we were living in Colorado and I'm not in full-time ministry. I, my first job was consulting about, uh, about 20 different churches around the nation I was, as a church consultant. And I made a move towards a uh, more of an executive role with a software development company. After that, just was, I need to distance myself a little bit more 
from uh, kind of the ministry grind, if you will. I was seeing a lot of unhealth that I had experienced in my life um, kind of unfolding in the lives of the leaders that I was coaching. Um, and there was kind of an unhelpable uh, attitude on the part of a lot of those leaders where it was like, yeah, that's nice stuff, but I'm not here to sing Kumbaya around the fire. Like, how do I double the size of my small group participation? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So I was like, you know what? I'm done with this for a while. So we just started feeding people in our home. That became our ministry experience. And one of the young guys said, Joe, I need to talk about some serious stuff going on in my life. And I said, well, I'll tell you what, I have to go grocery shopping to pick up dinner and then we're going to cook something and eat it. You want to come over? And he's like, yeah, sure. I was like, okay. So he actually showed up early. We went grocery shopping. He's pouring out his heart while we're working, walking through the frozen food section. I still remember that. And we'd pause and have some discussions across the shopping cart. We get home, we share a meal. Nothing really profound that I remember from that. Mm-hmm. But it was time for the kids to go to bed and he was still there. So I said, you know, hey, when, come on in. You know, I'm going to read some bedtime stories to, to Zoe and Adele um, and hang out. So he's sitting in their little bedroom in our Colorado condo. And uh, I finish a chapter and the girls are like, more, daddy, more. And he's just kind of sitting off in the corner. And I just just impressed on my heart to hand him the book. I said, okay, but he's going to read it. You know, Zach's going to read it. So they, he said he takes the book and he's like, oh, okay. My kids kind of scurry over and kind of snuggle up against his arm. And he's like panicking a little. You can see him looking at me like, is this okay? I'm like, it's okay, man. Just read the story. I'm right here. So he does. And again, finishes the chapter, kids go to sleep. And we went out and we talked about something serious that he wanted to discuss. And I don't even remember what it was. But two weeks later, he comes to me and he says, um, he says, I, I just want to thank you for that experience in your home. Hmm. And he said, I, you know, I grew up without a present father. And wow. I never had that example. And I could never see myself becoming a dad. Hmm. I just had no mental picture or association for it. And he said, that was the first time that I could see myself being a good dad. Wow. You know, and that's a seed that can only be planted in somebody's life through proximity, through living at a pace that is slow enough for people to keep up with you, right? Pace and proximity are a big deal, but people having access to the real aspect of your life And I'm not just talking about the real stuff where we're getting stuff off our chest and being vulnerable. I'm talking about like, hey, I'm going to invite you into areas of my life where I'm trying to live in the reality of the gospel. Yes. Come on in and hang out for a while. That is real. Like that is real nitty gritty discipleship. Just like that, that open door, just giving people access into your life. Um, That's true discipleship. I mean, that's what Jesus did, right? With, with his 12, first of all. And yeah. And then, and then even beyond that, you know, meeting people like Zacchaeus and, and others and like, Hey, I'm going to come and eat in your house today. And just like allowing people access to him where I think so often, I love that you said that about the pace of life. So often we can, we're so fast paced and I think we get so caught up. I know that I've like been really guilty of this at, at, you know, different seasons of my life where I've been so caught up on performing and on production and productivity and just thinking that I've got to constantly be moving, constantly churning stuff out and producing more and producing more and producing more. And then when we do that, that can become our our default so that when we have an opportunity like that, like that you had 
with that guy we can just pass it over like oh well no i have to do this and we think that it's more important but nothing nothing is more important nothing is more important than people nothing is more important than like the people that god has put around you and so often i i think that we can get caught up on stuff that really doesn't matter like you talked about the you know preaching in front of all these people and you know we can get so caught up on on god i want a platform and god i i want the ministry you promised me yeah, but all along the way, I'm ignoring the people that are right in front of me that you've given me an opportunity to to somehow just communicate with them in a way that's going to bring some change or transformation in their life just by giving them access into my yeah. life. I mean, just think about the whole reason we exist, like the whole reason that we're saved and, and all of this to begin with is because Jesus gave us access into his world when he didn't need to because he was already perfect in God's presence and one with the father and all that forever. And then, but he came down because he wanted us to be there with him as well. Mm -hmm. And so even just sort of that as a, as a principle of now me living my life and recognizing, hold on, like, like my life's being transformed by Jesus. So how can I just practically demonstrate this to the people around me by inviting them in and giving them access into this new life in Christ that I have so that I'm not sitting on it, squandering on it, just waiting for these like opportunities that make me feel like a big shot. But like that's real ministry. That's real discipleship is it's like daily with people in the trenches with people sometimes. And yeah, that daily, not that, you know, preaching and stuff like that's that's not that it's unimportant. But but if we're not living it, if we're not demonstrating it in daily life, then, you know, what are we really doing? Exactly, Duke. You know, teaching is very important in the church. Yeah. It's just not the only thing that's important. Yeah. You know, wor worship is important. Corporate worship is important. It's just not the only thing that's important. You know, what I would love to see for the my heart for the church is to see us really take a more holistic approach to what it means to be involved in people's lives, um, to see, you know, what does it mean to follow Christ together? And I think, you know, probably I would dare say that 80% of most churches, time, energy, and resource goes towards a weekend production, right? Mm. Um, and uh, the weekend production is great. I love a great church service. I love to worship side by side, elbow to elbow with other people and to hear a good word. Yeah, sure. Um, but, you know, when it comes down to it, I don't really remember many sermons that I've heard preached, you know? Um, and I don't know how effective five years down the road, the goosebumps that I got when somebody hit the minor chord and worship and like everybody went crazy. Are we saying the woes to that elevation worship song? Right? <laughs> like, I, I'm not sure how, how much that's translated into being a good dad, to being faithful at what God's called me to do. Sure, it's had an influence on my life, but the greatest influence on my life, I think about, you know, when I first graduated from Bible school, a guy named Derek Lewandowski, you might know him. Isaiah oh, yeah. six. That was the band that I toured with for, for three, about three years, wrote some songs with them, recorded some songs with them. It was a fun season, but that wasn't what was most important. He invited me to come live with him when I didn't have a place to live. I lived in this little room in, in, in the basement of their house. They called me the basement troll. I think affectionately, you know, and he had uh, at the time, three little girls, Grace, Joy, and Esther. Esther was two. And, um, I remember Esther coming up and she just jumped on the couch with me and gave me a big kiss on my cheek. And I looked kind of panicked. Like I looked at him and he says, never be embarrassed about my kid's affection for you, Joe, you know, and just that having this wow. deep, 
that was kind of my moment of what I shared with somebody else, you know, with reading the bedtime story to my kids. That was my moment where I could see myself being a good dad as a young guy who had anger issues and, you know, just wanted to be a rock star. And it was like, maybe I want to be a family man. Wow. It had a big impact on my life. Yeah. So I think that, you know, the, going back to you can't disciple a crowd, right? Kierkegaard says, right, the crowd is untruth, right? There's, there's, so, there's so much deception, I think, when we're a part of the crowd thinking that this is ultimately what I need. And there's so much deception for us if we're leading the, the moment in front of the crowd. We can get deceived into thinking that that's the point. That's the ultimate truth or the ultimate experience. When you yeah. look at the process, I'm passionate about hospitality because I know it's the front door to discipleship. Because through hospitality, we build, build relationships. And relationship is always the vehicle to discipleship. It's, wow. it's a simple process, right? And then if we make disciples, we always get the church. So I, I would love to see a return to hospitality. Church around the table, brother. That's my passion. It's so interesting, man. When when I first got here to Mobile, Alabama, which is like almost 10 years, 10 years. Oh, my gosh. It's 10 years ago now. Uh, when I first got here, that was one of the first things that um, I. OK, so I initially came here and it was supposed to be a year, maybe two um, that I was working with uh, my my bishop. We call him Bishop uh, Senior Pastor uh, Dr. Bennett Smith. And we came, my wife and I came up, we had done some missionary work in Mexico for a few years, and we came here because God really started to lay it on my heart to, uh, to plant churches, to, to learn about church planting, and, to, and he, really, he, showed, he started showing me a lot of vision for my future. And then uh, around that time, God was connecting me, God connected me with him, and it was, uh, he invited us to come up here and work, work with him for a little while and kind of learn. And during that process, one of the first things that we that I remember learning was that um, there's the scripture that says a bishop must be given to hospitality. Mm. And so we started doing that. Like we we just, you know, learned how to um, set a table in a nice way, you know, and, and, and we would we would start doing so we would we would use that when we started to. Uh, minister, like reaching out into the Latino neighborhoods and stuff like that and building, you know, we, we were building a Spanish speaking ministry and yeah, man. we were, you know, doing different things. And we'd have like, you know, three or four or five people over for a Bible study, but we would like cook a meal. Like we would, you know, we'd yeah. fix like a nice meal and we'd put out like nice silverware and nice dishes and, you know, glasses. And, you know, we would sit around the table and we would treat these guys who, you know, uh, I mean, most of them were used to, um, well, not not every time, but on some of some of these occasions, like all the guys at the table, it'd be a bunch of men at the table that were used to living in a house with eight other men um, and like just eating tacos for lunch every day or, you know, eat whatever. Like that's that's what they did because they were trying to save as much money as they as they could um, yeah. to, uh, you know, support families that were not here in the country with them. And uh, so anyway, it was it was that kind of a thing. And, you know, some people would think, oh, they don't need all that. But like, you know, inviting someone into your life and and doing it with excellence, you know, yeah. um, to the best of your to the best of your ability. And that's going to look differently for for every person. But, you know, inviting inviting somebody in and just showing them, I mean, in, in such practical ways like that, man, we can demonstrate the love of the father. We can demonstrate who God is to yeah. people. You know what absolutely, I mean? Absolutely. Just in like a meal, just in inviting it. someone for coffee or dinner. Like, oh, man, it's just like practical life. What would happen if we gave people tacos instead of Bible tracks? 
<laughs> Dude. I know I would have got saved for sure. And many were added to the church. Yeah, it'd be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> love it dude yeah man so uh um how important is it do you think um to i know you mentioned kind of having to get away from the grind for a little while how has your perspective shifted on that through the years because i know like it's not like you're not doing a lot you've it sounds like you've got a lot going on (laughs) it sounds like that you have a lot of responsibilities um to, you know, a lot of things that you need to take care of working as a CMO for two different uh, large companies. And then also the senior strategist, the founder of your own uh, branding and marketing comp- agency and, and every, and then you do some stuff in the, in the, you know, ministry world as well. And so anyway, you definitely have, have a lot going on, but I'm just curious, like how has your perspective shifted from you know, the, the grind of life, ministry, business, entrepreneurship, whatever it is, like grinding my way through to where you, where you are now. Um, and, you know, recognizing that I can actually operate from a place of, of rest in the Lord and not me just like trying to do everything on my own. Um, just curious, like what your perspective is on that. I mean, that's, that's a pretty loaded question. Um, I yeah. think the, well, I think one of the things that I had to get over, um, you know, in hindsight, I can look back and say that as brave as I thought I was, I really wasn't. I was pretty fearful. And I think I was fearful of relinquishing control. Um, and I was fearful of losing something. Um, and I think when you get over the fear of losing something, you can set healthy boundaries. So even with the, the companies where I operate as sort of like an outsourced executive, right? Mm. Um, I'm not afraid to say no. And I'm actually not afraid of them saying, well, fine, if you're going to say no, then you're done. Like, mm. it's, it's not that I wouldn't care. You know, I was about to say, I don't really care. Well, I do care, but there's something else to me that's more important. So, you know, I think that it's, it's releasing f- that that fear, but it's also a really understanding what matters to you most. When you come to the brink of almost losing your family and you realize you really don't want to, that, you know, man, I could lose my marriage and I really don't want to because I really love my wife. Like when that hits you, nothing else really matters. It's almost like, you know, like, and I've, I've had, you know, one near death experience in my life that was, that was like a legitimate near death experience. And I remember as it was, um, I was in Redfish Lake in Idaho. I just finished about a seven mile hike and had uh, underestimated what that had done to my body. And so I'm out swimming in the middle of this cold glacier lake and my family's up playing on the beach near Redfish Lodge in in Stanley, Idaho. And um, my hamstrings locked up and I just began to sink. And so everything is just this effort. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And I'm, I'm literally out there looking at my family a couple hundred yards away up on the beach. And I'm thinking this is it. Nothing else mattered. Well, wow. nothing else mattered. So, you know, um, that's a kind of a cool story, how that all played out and how the Lord delivered me from that. That's not really the point right now. The point is that when you get to the brink of losing something that matters most to you, you're not afraid of letting lesser things go. And so that can help you to determine what boundaries I need to set in my life that 
if you really don't like the boundaries that I'm setting, you are free to excuse yourself from this relationship with me. And so I take that into business with me. And oddly enough, that's actually created a great foundation for business relationships. Um, you know, so I think that's kind of the first thing is setting boundaries in business and knowing your own limitations. Clint Eastwoodism, man's got to know his limitations, right? I've, I've hit the, 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 my peak capacity and not even my personal capacity. There's a familial capacity. I think as entrepreneurs, we can say like, I know that I have the capacity to do X, Y, Z. Well, your family only has the capacity to do X. So only do X. Like, don't take your family beyond Come on. that fam familial capacity, right? Wow. Because there's an extent where you need to be able to check in and to be present with them. So don't push yourself to the max, right? Leave fuel yeah, in the man. tank because you have to share it with some other people. So knowing your limitations, setting healthy boundaries has been massive. And then I think the probably the third thing is, um, you know, I outsource now. I've got phenomenal people who kind of maximize my efforts. And there's a lot of things that, you know, I know how to do with excellence that I used to pride myself on doing myself that now I just don't do anymore because it's, it's not making the best use of my time. Right. And, uh, or it's not honoring to the other people who need my time. Yeah. So that's been yeah. big. So hire good help. You know, everybody talks about finding time. Uh, one of the best ways to find time as elusive as that seems outsource, hire help, you know, hire a virtual assistant mm. to answer your emails, right? Something like that. There's ways yeah. that you can replicate little pieces of yourself into other people so that it's not, not everything's not funneling to you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then that frees you up to focus on the things that um, either only you can do or, you know, mm. the things that matter the, the most to you, you know what I mean? And uh, I, I love what you're saying, man. It's so practical. And I, and I think as you were talking, you know, talking about boundaries and talking about, you know, not going beyond those limitations um, that, that have been set, I think values yeah. become so key, you know, and oh, yeah. like what would happen, man, if we actually lived from, from like a place of honoring our values, you know, mm. like having clearly defined values. And so, so like a big value for you, of course, is that your family is your, is your first and most important ministry. Maybe that's, you know, maybe you would define it in a different way, but, but, uh, but that family, family yeah. and maintaining your, your relationship and building your marriage and building your kids and, you know, cultivating those relationships, all of that is like, um, such a clearly important um, goal or value in your life. And then so, okay, now I'm doing, I'm doing this in ministry, I'm doing this in business, or I'm, you know, doing whatever. And it's interfering with that. Okay, so I, I can't sacrifice my value, the, the thing that I value the most, like I have to allow that to actually dictate the decision that I'm going to make right now. And so, um, you know, I think that something that I that I do, um, I, well, I probably don't do it as often as I should, but I try to do it often is to kind of reevaluate where I'm at and to simplify my life um, in, in whatever ways that I can. Um, is that something that you've uh, that that you do like go like kind of like looking at where you are and evaluating and seeing um, okay this isn't working the best so how can we adjust it here is it sort of in other words is it sort of like an ongoing process of course correcting as you go oh 100 percent you know um, yeah I I don't know anyone who um, 
I don't know anybody who is productive on accident, right? <laughs> I don't yeah. know anyone who ends up kind of living into kind of this, this fruitful aspect of what it means to like live into your values and see fruit coming from that. That doesn't happen on accident either. You know, um, I, I think for me, it's um, not everybody needs to do this. I'm the type of guy who will run in a direction really long and really hard until I just absolutely collapse or until I'm confronted with the reality of losing something that I value. I'm trying not to do that as much anymore. Yeah. Um, you know, but I've had my George Bailey moment. I don't know if you've ever seen It's a Wonderful Life, but you remember yeah. like his, his life's just a mess. And, you know, he doesn't even want to live. And he's standing on the bridge and he's crying out. He says, please, God, I just want to live again. I want to live again. So, you know, what does that look like to have your George Bailey moment? To be like, God, I want to live again, right? Well, what does he do next, right? He's surrounded by his family and surrounded by his friends, right? But like getting back in touch, what does it mean to really live again? It's to assess what are my values and what are the things that I'm investing my time in that are not aligned with my values? Because for every yes, there's an implied no. So if I say yes to you about something, maybe that's implying a no to a daddy-daughter date that I really owe my 12-year-old daughter Zoe, right? Wow. So really, really count. Your, you only have so many yeses to spend. Spend them really wisely and simplify, simplify, simplify. Back in 2019, you know, I was, um, I was an exec for another marketing agency, um, also was a planting pastor for a church uh, in eastern Pennsylvania, um, and just had... It was wonderful for a season and there was a lot of things that began to happen where things were beginning to disintegrate and I was trying to hang on to these things. And um, man, it just hit me like, get back to the basics. It's kind of like with the Lord, we do that. We get back to our first love, right? So yeah. getting back to those first love things in our life, we sold everything, man. We uh, got rid of this, you know, beautiful big farmhouse with a barn and a couple acres and um, we sold another home that we still owned in New York. We sold our cars. I like got rid of like, you know, 19 pairs of jeans and kept one pair. You know what I mean? Like we just simplified everything. Yeah. And we bought this big 40 foot RV and a pickup truck. And we just started traveling around the country. We did that for two years, full time in an RV. Not everybody can do that, but that was something that we took a move towards of getting back to kind of the root of what was most important to wow. experience togetherness. When you go from 4,000 square feet to 400 square feet, there's a lot of togetherness happening in that kind of an right. environment, you know, for better or worse. Yeah, we're building that. a house now. I'm like, I can't go back to that, right? It was a season. It was good. I can't imagine doing that forever. Yeah. Some people do. I commend them. But, you know, whatever it takes, man, get ruthless about simplifying your life. I mean, what do you have to lose? Clutter. It doesn't matter. Come on. Yeah, clutter's clutter's not good for anything. Um Oh, I love what you're saying, man. So some, something that we've, that we've talked about or that we haven't talked about it, something that, I, that, I'm, that I'm noticing that's coming out in this conversation is like different seasons of life. You know, you were just talking about seasons right there, but, you know, you've had seasons where you were across the world, you know, doing missions and you had season, a season where you were touring with worship bands. You had a, that season where you were living in Derek Lewandowski's house and, uh, by the way, that actually, um, I remembered that story, like you said, because it, it was funny in, in the way it clicked in my mind, because a yeah. minute ago, or a few minutes ago, you had said that, uh, you know, you, you don't remember a whole lot of sermons. 
and and uh and you really don't like what you remember are the people and the impact that they have on on your life right yeah um you know the sermons help to shape you and shift you and shift your thinking the teaching you know good biblical teaching of course is going to help you shift your thinking but as far as like remembering individual messages and sermons there's maybe a handful that that you know that that i could look at and say oh yeah i remember this but anyway but i did remember for some reason that stuck in my mind that story i remember um hearing that story in uh egc elam gospel church and like talking about how like you you talking i honestly i don't remember if it was you or derek talking about it but one of you was talking about this about how um like you spending time in derek levandusky's house and spending time with his kids and his family how i remember this that it had like it, it like softened you up a lot oh, and, yeah. like changed your heart you know to, to something that um like not that you weren't i mean you were i'm sure you were open to god you know and to the things of god and uh, up to that point but you know there was sort of like this rough exterior kind of a thing and that being there in that environment of like true you know discipleship like how you know and being around family and seeing that and uh how that really like uh, i just remember that i remember hearing that that story um, yeah. about like how that uh, that changed you a lot and so that's really cool but where i was going was you know different seasons of life and it's so important to recognize like if you need to if you're in a place right now where things are chaotic and they're out of control and you need to simplify your life i think a lot of people would be afraid to do that because they're thinking it's going to get me off track but so what like if you have to spend the next two years or five years of your life you know, going in a direction that maybe you didn't think was where you, you know, the direction you were going to be going, but it's necessary to, to like re to get you to that place of simplicity and to a place where you're actually going to be healthy. And you know what I mean? Like, I think that we look at our lives and we think that we have to always just constantly be going after this thing, whatever that goal is, whatever that prize is, whatever that dream is. And I really believe, and I teach about a lot, like going after your dreams. I really believe in going after your dreams, but like there's different seasons of life. And, you know, like you can have a season where you're really going hard after one thing, but then a season where you have to pull back. And I just think trusting God enough with our present and with our future to let him like actually drive this thing. You know what I mean? Instead of me hanging on so tightly to things that I'm afraid to lose. Yeah. Be willing to give some things up for the season that you're in. And, you know, so that you can actually like grow in the season that you're in and not like eventually lose everything that you're holding on to so tightly anyway, and just kind of like spinning your wheels and doing it all in your own strength. Uh, anyway, that's kind of like maybe like an underlying theme that I'm, that I'm hearing in a lot of the things that you're talking about is trusting God in that season that you're in. Absolutely. Because I think, you know, you can really, we just talked about values. Um, and I think that priorities should align with values. Yes, but they're not, even though they're related, they're not the same thing. So I think it's great to know what your core values are. Those are kind of the orienting principles that are kind of steering, you know, your life. I knew that yeah. I valued family before I had one. <laughs> so that really helped me to orient my life around saying, I'm going to open myself up to marriage and children and all of those things. But understanding the season of life that you're in, I think, is a prerequisite to, to 
wisely prioritizing your life. If you don't understand the season that you're in, you can't set good priorities. Yeah. And so, you know, that's, that would be one of the things that I would pray for if I was feeling confused is Lord, help me to understand the season that I'm in. It's good. And then in that, find what you should be prioritizing, right? In alignment with kind of your orienting principles for life, your core values. So, you know, kind of practically speaking, um, I'll give an example. I think that it's impossible to simplify your life if you are a very busy person. So I think, uh, if not eradicating, then at least greatly reducing the amount of busyness that you experience in life is, is going to be important to really, you know, pursuing your calling, experiencing happiness and joy, being present with the people that are around you and not always somewhere else. You have to simplify, you have to reduce busyness. And so with understanding the season that you're in, maybe you are very busy right now. And is that a season of busyness that is necessary because the Lord is taking you from what was to something that will be? You're going from point A to point B in life. Right. And you know what, man? There's some seasons where you just have to hustle and grind. Sure. But this is kind of a, you know, people have these coffee mugs, right? These entrepreneur coffee mugs, you know, hustle and grind, wake up and grind, man, stop it. Like that's no way to live. Yeah. If that's a season that God has you in because you're supposed to build a new product or launch a new business, you're not going to be able to escape that life is going to get kind of busy for a while. But if you have a lifestyle of busyness, if that's a pattern for you, that's a problem, right? So, yeah, man. You know, one of the things that, that I would highly recommend, very practically speaking, this has helped me. Um, I use project management software and to-do lists and all those kinds of things, right, to have an efficient life, yes. But I oftentimes use my calendar. I kept my calendar as a way of blocking out things that are most important to me first. And here's the principle. It's, it's Eugene Peterson talked about this a long time ago in one of his sermons. It's in his memoirs. It says, get to your calendar first before other people do. Hmm. Put date night on the calendar. Put playtime with the kids on the calendar. And then when people say, hey, can you have a meeting at such and such a time, just say, my schedule won't allow it. You don't need to give them a long-winded explanation about like, actually, I don't know if I should because I really should be spending more time right. with my family. Yeah. Put it on the calendar. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not saying that's the only time you spend with your family. Like you just have, kids, I've got an hour for you and that's it, you're on my <laughs> schedule. That's not the point. The point is get to your calendar first because I think that it's it's actually fairly lazy of us when we allow other people to dictate to us what we should be doing with our time. If you're not intentional about what you're doing with your time, someone else is going to determine what you should wow. be doing with your time. Wow. So that's our responsibility. Mm. And I hear a lot of people coming to me like, you know, hey man, I'm just so burdened because I'm so busy. Well, get to your calendar first, man. And the other thing too is get rid of the addiction to um, self-importance. Yes. Because I think sometimes it's like, you know, hey man, what's going on? Like, how you doing? Uh, just busy. Wait, is that supposed to make you important? Yeah. Right, because you're busy? No, it might just make, might mean that you're undisciplined or you don't have your priorities wow. in alignment. Wow. Wow, that's really good. That's really good. Um, and just imagine like the the it's such a simple thing that you're that you're talking about, like going back to the thing about 
putting your family time, your date night time with your kids yeah. in your calendar, doing that first, right? Setting those sort of like non-negotiable time frames that this is going to happen. And yeah. I think that doing that first, I mean, just on a very practical level, like speak volumes to your family, to your kids. You know, you have young kids and like, I, I just think that that would speak so, so beautifully to them that, okay, like daddy or mommy's uh, most important thing, the thing they always put on their calendar first is me. You know what I mean? Uh, I think that that even just for like sort of their psyche. And then, like you said, you're not um, just spending that time with them. But then like if things do get crazy, you have a really busy week, you're you know, you have a deadline you're up against. Like I'm not I'm not opposed to having those sort of like, you know, grind sessions where like, okay, there's this conference coming up in three weeks. So, you know, I know we're going to be putting in later, you know, later nights, more hours than we normally do to make sure everything's together. Like, I get that. But yeah, like you said, simplifying your life in general to the point that it's not just a busy life where we're always busy, we're always in go mode, but we need that time to be able to stop and smell the roses and really stop and enjoy the life that he's given to us because he wants us to, he wants us to enjoy it. You know, he's given yeah. us all things to enjoy. Absolutely. And, yeah. When we allow stuff to get in the way, like busyness is not synonymous with productivity. Um, and it's not synonymous with, um, it, like you said, importance. Yes. Like I used to really, I used to really think that that was something that God really started yeah. to rewire in my mind. Um, the last couple of years of my life, because I noticed in me for sure that my identity was so wrapped up in the stuff that I was doing, like to the point that if I got to the end of the day, I loved having a list and stuff to check off and, you know, like it's I love addicting, that. isn't it? Checking off something that you finished. <laughs> checking off the to-do. But yeah. like if I got to the end of the day and I didn't have enough checks, I would feel bad. Like I'd almost feel like a, you know, nothing like crazy but like a level of like depression i would feel like i didn't do enough today and i would yeah. feel like i wasn't like honestly like in my in my mind like feeling i wasn't as valuable to people today i wasn't as valuable to god today right. because i didn't do enough i didn't do as much as i thought i should do and uh i can't say that i'm like perfect at this by any means but i've definitely experienced a lot more freedom in that area uh, to, oh, yeah. to rest and relax and to recognize like, you know what, if you just need a day off or you need to like pause and take a break right now, or you need to pause and take a nap, or you need to pause and take your wife to the movies or you need to pause and spend some time with your kids. Like just do that and don't feel guilty about it. Yeah, dude. I mean, I, I remember, you know, just having so many conversations, especially in Bible college, you know, everybody's like, you know, I'm David. We're all talking about like, which Bible character are you? You know, I'm Paul, I'm Peter. Like, you know, like, dude, like, I think later in life, I realized like, Judas. actually, yeah, I, I hope I've never been Judas. more accurate. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think a lot of times we're like uh, the rich young ruler, right? It's like, hey, I'm doing a lot of really good things. See well, what I'm doing, Jesus? And he's like, yep, get rid of all of it and just come follow me. And we're, we, we're oftentimes unwilling to, I know I've been unwilling to. So I think more than I've been a Paul or a Peter or a David, I've been the rich young ruler who is constantly being challenged and confronted with the things that I need to rid myself of to get back to the root of what it really means to follow him and to live out of that mm -hmm. in my life. I think that, so that's the spiritual side. Kind of just a practical side for entrepreneurs as well. 
is, um, you know, I spent a lot of time, um, I'll say this, when I was at the grind the most and working the hardest to launch new products or new businesses, et cetera, um, those were often not my most productive or profitable seasons as an entrepreneur. Okay. I think that I have been much um, more productive and profitable as I've made room in my life to have fun. Wow. Like, and it doesn't sound very spiritual, does it? Like, I think there's a lot of really self-important, serious, grinded out kind of entrepreneurs out there. It's like, when's the last time you punched out at three? Because it's good enough for today. I'm not saying get lazy and like, you know, yeah. you know, not do what's expected of you or perform with excellence. Yes, yeah. be excellent. But know when it's enough. Yeah. And and if if you can if you can begin to put some things in life where it's like, oh, hold on, before I start that next thing, hey, it's good enough for today. Yeah. Clock out and go take your kids to the beach. I mean, that's what we did for us. It's two days ago. It was uh, Tuesday. I told my wife, I said, Tuesdays are my least favorite day of the week. Monday, it's like, hey, new week, get everybody going, go, 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 right? And like, and then Tuesday is kind of like this letdown, right? And, you know, all these meetings and all these like, oh, man, I just hate Tuesdays. So it was like three o'clock on a Tuesday. She's like, hey, how's your Tuesday going? I said, oh, that's a Tuesday. And she's like, want to go to the beach? It's supposed to rain the rest of the week. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. Dude, this past Tuesday was like the best day I've had in a month. You know, it was just a couple hours at the beach with my family. And, uh, you know, it was as simple as that. Yeah. So make room in your life to have fun. Know when it's enough. Have some fun. Don't take yourself too serious. And, and yeah, uh, The other thing, if I could add to what you're saying, too, yeah. uh, because this is something that I've struggled with, um, is like when you're when you're doing that, like be in the moment, though, too, because yeah. so often we can leave like, OK, let me punch out at three. But then from three to six. I'm with my family. I'm uh, just thinking about all the stuff that I'm not doing and then feeling guilty because yeah. I'm not there. Like right. that's going to be wasted time. It's it's actually going to make you probably feel worse. But like if you actually allow yourself to to be in the moment present where you are when you're there. And yeah, I, th I just think being present in the moment and, you know, yeah, Probably like yes, for the yes. sake of them, for the sake of giving our best to the people that we're with. But also for the sake of our own just mental sanity and mental health, it's like you need that break. But if you're yeah. still living in the office while you're on the beach, you're not going to you're not going to it's it's probably not going to rejuvenate you a, as it could <laughs> because you're not enjoying it. I think that enjoyment and yeah, just getting joy out of life is so important and it 100%. recharges and re-energizes us to be more productive when we get back the next day. You know? Yeah, I mean, I never want to act like I'm the champion of the way you should live. So just in full transparency, Tuesday at the beach, I spent the first half hour just checking this the whole thing, right? The whole time. On. Like I'm at the beach yeah. and I'm on Slack talking to my team yeah. and to my clients. You know, I'm checking for that email that's supposed to come through that hasn't yet. And eventually my wife was just like, are you going to be here or not? Well, wow. <laughs> uh, like yeah, airplane mode. Yeah, I'm here. I'm here. Yeah. You know, because ultimately the things that we that we allow to distract us from the most important things, they're exactly that. They're not the most important things. For sure. So one of the things, another practical thing I've done, uh, do I delete social media on the weekends. Right. Mm. So if I'm going to do any posting on the weekends, it's scheduled and it goes out by itself. So social media on the weekends for me, little Facebook app on here, it's gone. Um, it's made a big difference.
Yeah. So I think so like you, you actually delete it off your phone. I delete it off my phone. And then you re-download it on Monday. Re-download it on Monday. Yeah. That is awesome. Made a big difference. Yeah. No, it's so easy, man. It's too easy just to grab this thing. Like I do it all the time. I do it all the time because like everything I do, almost I do a lot. I do video editing on my phone. Like I do a lot of, you know, posting and, and, um, you know, like marketing, like I do so many things from my phone. I do very little, like I have like, you know, editing suites and stuff on my computer. And I just find that I can be more productive by just doing stuff on my phone. But so there's like always stuff. There's always stuff. It never ends. There's always stuff I can be doing on this phone. And it's so easy to just grab it and then just like start. And then I'm like, what am I doing? Like, I'm not supposed to be doing that right now. And uh, it's way too easy. Yeah, man. And I've definitely, I've definitely just, you know, been rebuked by my children enough to like, dad. Oh, me too. Like, all the time. Spending too much time with your phone. And I'm just like, oh my God, like all the right. time. You're absolutely right. And when you uh, think about this, man, it's easy to kill an hour on the phone, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> but what I've realized is that 30 minutes of playtime with my three-year-old daughter means the world to her. Yeah. Right. So it's like for every yes, there's an implied no. If I say yes to troll on the feed for an hour and that happens, that goes by pretty quick. Happens kind of on accident. That's a no to some very important, significant things to other people in my life. And ultimately to me, it gives me joy as well. So, yeah, man. Give the right yes. You only have so many to spend. So good. I love that, man. Well, something else that you guys like to do, I just wanted to ask you real quick about uh, jujitsu. So your whole family's into jujitsu, right? <clears throat> yeah, yeah, we are. It's It's been a really good time. Yeah, it's it's awesome. Uh, my... Um, Two, two of my daughters, two of my three daughters are doing it now. Shay just turned three, so she's officially old enough to start. Um, we were like, she should be potty trained before. You know, I've never seen a kid grappling in a diaper, you know? So we're like, we should potty train her first. So we're working on that right now, and then she'll be in. But, yeah, my kids absolutely love it. Um, you know, just, just kind of raw and real, you know, our 12-year-old was facing some things with, um, you know, just different types of depression and mm. um, I think lethargy that comes with that and not really being highly motivated. And we've seen a mm. tremendous difference um, just in her attitude and her positivity in life since we've gotten her involved in something athletic. Um, and she's very good. She's very strong. And my nine-year-old is killing it too. And it's fun. And I'm not killing it so much. You know, I'm, I'm 38 and got lower back pain and going to the chiropractor just so I can stay in it and try to keep up with the kids, you know? So, um, I mostly, people mostly mop the floor with me. So I'm like, uh, you know, the sparring, sparring partner that gets wiped up before the competitions. That's me, Uh (laughs) but it's a, my wife is doing it as well. And, um, my goodness, that's been, that's been really cool to see her turning into this lioness, you know? So Mm, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Well, even that I would think, so getting beat up, you know, just like getting beat up every once in a while. I imagine uh, that that would be good for you. Like uh, so in a controlled good. environment, you know, you're not going out and starting a bar fight and getting your butt kicked. <laughs> but, like, yeah. but in a control, you know, in a controlled environment where everybody's everybody's fighting and everybody's going to lose at some point. You know what at I mean? Like no, nobody's perfect. Everybody's going to everybody's going to get beat. Everyone will. Point. And yeah. so just like for like, I don't know, I feel like that's that's healthy. Do, is, do you do you agree with that? I mean, just like for the level, maybe even just developing humility or whatever, but being able to kind of, um, go in and you're exercising, you're working out. And then even if you, even if you lose it, kind of like, 
reminds you of like, I don't know, maybe, maybe helps you get some perspective. What do you think about oh, 100%. that? 100%. <laughs> 100%. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we're, we need to be reminded um, that we're not invincible once in a while. And um, so that's healthy for, especially if you're a type A, you know, driven type of person, it's yeah. really good to be confronted with your own limitations. Yeah. So yes, very healthy. Yeah. That's awesome. I, I asked you about that because I'm uh, I've been thinking about about getting in. I've been wanting to get into jujitsu for a while. My son does. I was telling you before we started here, my son um, has been in Taekwondo for uh, about three years now. He just got his black belt. Uh, so we're pumped about that. I thought about uh, hopping in there, getting involved with that. But I really like jujitsu as a way. I feel like you get more of a, you know, more of a full body workout because you're more focused on, you know, ground techniques and, you know, really do. Yeah. Yeah, mix that with some Muay Thai and you're all set. Yep. Yeah, man. Yeah, and then like you just kind of have it on reserve just in case, you know, someone wants to mess with your family or something. Uh, exactly, <laughs> man. Yeah, it's not about becoming a wolf, right? It's about becoming a stronger sheepdog. It's about protecting the people that matter to you most and, and uh, you know, and understanding how to handle stressful situations or being pinned to the ground. So I think that the principles from jujitsu apply readily to other aspects of your life as well. So I can't recommend it enough. Yeah, that's awesome. How long have you been into it? You personally? Off and on for a couple of years. You know, okay. I trained some when we were in Bethlehem, uh, 10th Planet uh, Jiu Jitsu. It's one of Eddie Bravo's uh, gyms. It's oh, cool. no gi. So that that means something if you're into Jiu Jitsu. So you're not wearing the pajama looking uniform, right? Mm -hmm. You're in there in a rash guard. Uh, and now I'm doing uh, it's it's uh, in uniform or in your gi um, at this place. It's a check mat Jiu Jitsu in Gulf Breeze. And uh, so pretty phenomenal instructors there, a couple world, world champion black belts. So if you're in the That's Pensacola awesome. area, go check them out. That's awesome, bro. By the way, Pensacola, like we're right across the bay from each other. We <laughs> need to get together one of these days for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Kayak on over, you know, we'll hang yeah. out. Yeah, man. Um, so before, just before uh, I let you go, I just wanted to ask you, just um, tell us, Something about Wild Story, about mm. your branding and marketing agency, and like maybe how or why you started it, and just a little bit of the heart behind it. Yeah, yeah. I think that um, you know that the how and the why it started. It's back in 2019. Just about everything that felt significant at the time in my life, other than my family, came to a close. Um, and so we were, uh, was literally moving from Pennsylvania to Colorado, driving our RV cross country, uh, to go work closely with the owner of the, uh, the, the marketing firm that I was a part of, that was, uh, the COO of at the time I was supposed to drive over and, and work with him for several months on launching a new product. I got a call literally on the day that we were about to drive cross country that, um, Hey, um, I'm not going to do that anymore. Uh, my wife's having another child, just want to kind of simplify our life. So I'm going to keep our 10 best clients and just go personal brand. Mm -hmm. And that was pretty tough. I mean, I'd spent about a year um, leading up to that point. Yeah. Um, really had joined his team um, to help fix some operational issues um, mm -hmm. that, that were, I, I put it this way, they had grown beyond the point of the, uh, what the foundation was able to sustain and hold. So yeah. I went in to fix it. And so we'd finally reached kind of a, a point of stability and we're going to grow new things. And that 
kind of rug was yanked out from underneath of us. And, you know, that's fine that those decisions were made, but, you know, I was like, well, if I stay on, that's going to make me kind of a helper, right? I don't really want to be like an assistant. Like I joined to be an executive and launch new products and programs. So that's not happening. So I resigned. And um, so, you know, it was kind of birthed out of necessity in some regard. And, but what was great about that was um, my wife had been encouraging me for years to launch out on my own. And I just hadn't, you know, I had kind of taken turns going to different organizations and fixing things and then moving on to the next thing that needed to be fixed, whether in that organization or in a new one. Yeah. And so this was really an opportunity to not be Mr. Fix it. It was an opportunity to really grow something from the ground up that could be healthy. So that was really my passion was what would it look like to have um, that kind of in the innermost parts of this company that it would be very healthy, right? And for the people that I'll eventually hire that they would have a great quality of life as well. Hmm. So internally, that's the way we try to operate. Externally, uh, we, we've been helping um, a lot of chiropractors and holistic health practitioners to really increase their influence. I think that kind of in this day and age, I, I didn't know it at the time that COVID was going to happen and you know, all the vaccine debacles were going to happen and all those sure. things. So I'm really thankful in hindsight that the Lord got me involved in that niche um, to be able to present people an alternative to medication, vaccination, surgery, all those things, and really look at holistically, um, yeah. how can we be healthy? How can we live in alignment with the way that God's created the body? You know, God's just, God created the body to heal. Come you on. know, it's an amazing thing. Yeah. When we get in touch with the way that the creators actually designed us and beautiful things happen. So, um, so good. So yeah, we're just passionate about helping local business owners who are family oriented, who are com uh, community focused um, to really take their message to their community, make an impact in their community. Yes. The byproduct of that is higher profitability, but I think money is what comes to you when you're doing what you're called to and what you love yes. the most. Good. So uh, it's good. putting the horse before the cart. That's good. Yeah, yeah. I I love that, uh, and I, I love the way you worded that. Even, and I think that um, you know, the the way of the world is to define success just based on financial gain. You know, I think success would be like the overall understanding of success is financial success. It's like I, I've got a lot of money. Yeah. You know, I can afford cars and houses. I I can afford these things. But um, I really think that, like you said, that money and, you know, greater financial uh, increase and prosperity, like I think that those things are the results of you finding success, which is in you doing what your assignment is, you know, you being, you know, for us as believers, it's like you being obedient to carry out the this assignment that God has given you in life, you know. Um, whether it's ministry business, whether it's starting your own thing or whether it's becoming a teacher, you know, whatever, whatever that, whatever right. that is. But as you follow the plan of God for your life, um, you know, I really just believe that the success component of, you know, increase and, you know, greater financial um, impact and stuff like that really becomes the byproduct, but it should not necessarily be the goal. I mean, of course, we all want to be more profitable, but you know, I think if the goal is you serving, you know, in, in your situation, like you're serving uh, businesses, local businesses, um, you know, if, like carrying out like the, you know, the mission, the vision of of what you're doing 
And if you do that effectively, I mean, like Zig Ziglar says uh, or set, used to say, you know, the best way to get what you want is by helping other people get what they want, you know. Right. And uh, I think that that just makes a lot of sense across the board. Yeah, I, I think that we overcomplicate success or we attach dollar figures to what success looks like. And, yeah. you know, for me, success, um, I want to hear well done, good and faithful servant enter yeah. into the joy of your master. Right. And so success yeah. is simply this. I think success is. Did I do what I was supposed to do? Did I do what he wanted right. me to do? And if that answer is yes, you are very successful. Yeah. Yeah, I think that we, if I have lots and lots of money, but my family's falling apart, I can't call that success. You know, uh, if I have lots and lots of money, but I'm miserable, I can't call that success. If you have lots and lots of church attendees, just swap that out for money. Same mm -hmm. thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. It's good. Um, can you tell me that uh, just a little bit of the 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 reason why you called it wild story? Yeah. So wild W.I.L.D.E. That was um, when my great grandfather came over from Eastern Europe. That was how he spelled his last name. He later changed it to oh, cool. W.I.L.D. just to kind of Americanize it, but uh, just a homage to him, you know, and uh, he was, uh, an, what I know of him, he was an acrobat in the circus and he married a, a Native American woman named Sarah and they started a family. And so that's kind of uh, one of the reasons that I'm here, right? So just, uh, just, it was interesting to me, you know, how we can go back and we can look at where we've come from, which can seem like such a certain thing, right? But then the name wild kind of has a double meaning with it kind of speaks to the unpredictability of white, what might come, right? Are we living a wild story? Are we living a story that we're allowing God to write for us? Are we living this kingdom oriented story where we're embracing interruptions instead of resisting them? Because I think that's oftentimes how the Lord works, right? It's uh, the yeah. kingdom comes through unexpected and through interruptions. And we're wired, especially in our Western culture, to resist unexpected things and to resist interruptions um, or to see them as as negatives. And uh, yeah, ultimately, man. God's writing this incredible cosmic story that we're all a part of. And uh, we have an idea about where it's going. But I think the details are going to be a surprise. So hang on. It's going to be a fun ride. It's awesome, man. Well, hey, brother, I really appreciate you. I appreciate you being here. And uh, I love I was really excited to talk to you um, kind of catch up a little bit and stuff like that. But I, I really I really get pumped up when I talk to people that are like kingdom minded um, in their expression in like the business world, um, in entrepreneurship and stuff like that, because I really think that God, that one of the ways that we really see in practical ways just in daily life uh just the goodness of god um the glory of god it's like the creativity of god I think that he loves to express himself through 
like business, like not just through, not just through ministry, not just through like laying your hands and praying on people, but through like giving his sons and daughters, just like creative solution and creative insight. And I think that when we talk about, I had someone on a little while back and we had, we got into this conversation a little bit. Um, I don't know if you know, um, Tim Walls, he was a Elam guy as well. I do. I remember Tim. Yeah. Yeah. So California uh, now. Yeah. Yeah. He's up in Reading and, uh, doing crazy stuff. Just like, disrupting the business world by being like, you know, kingdom, kingdom minded, but in really practical ways. And, um, you know, coming alongside as a consultant partnering with, uh, you know, multi, multi million dollar, you know, companies and stuff like that. And, uh, and just teaching the, the owners and the leaders and the CEOs to be more kingdom minded in their approach to, to business and life. It's really cool. But we talked about that, how like a lot of people, you know, we talk about, yeah, I'm going to be more kingdom minded in my business. And so we'll translate that into like spiritual stuff, quote unquote, that we would do. Like that means I got to prophesy while I'm working. That means I need to (laughs) lay my hands and pray for people and tell people about Jesus. Like that's not the only way to express the kingdom in business. And one of the like, I think that God is so interested in just bringing the expression of his goodness out by us like actually listening to him and walking with him for like the the business decisions for yeah. you know the clients that we go after and the way that we impact them and the way that we make decisions the way that we hire and fire people even the right. way that we you know what i mean like the way that we allocate resources and like in all these different things that when we walk with the lord we can listen and hear his voice and be led by the spirit in daily life so that you know, it's not just about, you know, the quote unquote spiritual stuff that we would do, but like all of the the practical stuff um, that it's actually like coming from the like there's practical stuff being expressed from the mind and the heart of our heavenly father. And it really puts his nature on display, I think, when we when we do that and we get committed to that. You know? Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I think Duke, it's I think it's one of the, the great deceptions of the enemy. Um that he whispers in our ear that if we're going to um, live live into what we're called to do or to, to really minister or be agents of the kingdom, then we must receive our paycheck from a religious 501c3. Right. Yeah. That's kind of bull, you know? Um, so I think I don't really care where my provision comes from anymore, mm-hmm. right? Um, what, what I care about is doing what I'm supposed to do about doing what God's called me to do. And right now that's just manifesting as being a business owner. You know, there's some other irons in the fire that maybe we can talk about next time we chat, right? There's a couple other businesses that are launching out and hey, look, that's all exciting. That's not what matters most to me though. Those are just new opportunities to reach more people in different aspects of their life. You know, income will come as a result of doing that well. And that ultimately is gonna allow me to sow into the kingdom as a kingdom-minded business owner. I don't care where my money comes from. I care about honoring the Lord and following what he's calling me to do. So maybe God's calling you to dedicate yourself full time to the preaching and the teaching of the word. That's great. I hope you get paid well for doing that. Right. We should, you know, the, the worker is worthy of his wage. We should pay ministers, full-time ministers. Well, I hate that poverty mentality in ministry, right? Do whatever you can to support those who are laboring for the kingdom. Well, support them well. Yeah. Right. But I think it also you might be at a point where God's calling you to do something and maybe you're not doing it because you because there's not a 501c3 that's offering you a paycheck to do it. Uh huh. Like, 
that's not kingdom thinking. Yeah. Right. And sometimes what God's calling you to do doesn't look like what other people are doing. Sometimes what God yeah. is calling you to do is to pioneer, you know, something that maybe you don't even have a model for. Maybe you haven't seen it demonstrated the way that God's calling you to do it. But like, that's awesome because again, it's like God uh, being creative through you. He's so much more creative, I think, than we give him credit for. And so, you know, I think that that makes, that makes us nervous a lot of times when we, when we don't know, you know, someone that's doing the same thing or whatever, but, you know, yeah. just, just walking with him and, and trusting him and recognizing that he is the source. He is your source of everything that you need. Absolutely, brother. Absolutely. Yeah. God can use the person who's in business just like he can use someone who's dedicated to working in a religious institution equally, right? Because yeah. we know that scripturally, there's really nothing. There's no such thing as clergy and laity, is there? Yeah. Right? Come we're on. all priests. Come right? on. We all have equal access to God, and we're all called to do something with what he's entrusted us with. So just whatever he's given you, just use it well. Yeah. That's all you're responsible for. Yeah. And I really appreciate it, Joe, because like, I think that your, um, your, your life, the past, I don't know, 17, 18 years that we've, that we've kind of like yeah. given an overview of throughout this podcast is like demonstrates that so well, uh, even moving from like different things, from being a missionary to being a pastor, planting churches, to starting businesses, to, um, you know, partnering with other businesses, to all these different things. And just like, you know, not everybody's going to do that. Not everybody's going to flow from one thing to another. Some people are going to stay, you know, in that, in that one area for their whole life. And, and, but the point is that wherever we are, whatever it is that God's calling you to do, like, don't limit God and don't limit yourself. And don't think that, um, that because it doesn't look a certain way that it can't be God. Um, right. Because again, like he's got all of us, he's writing all of our story. He's got us all on a different path. And so, don't be afraid to like lean into like those transitions and those seasons when he's changing, not to like, not, not because you're running from one thing to escape it, but when God is moving and God is breathing on something or highlighting something, in other words, like there's no, there's no limit to his creative expression in your life. And it's mm, good. doesn't have to always look the same and seasons change. And um, yeah, man, I think that um, just like what you've gone through and, and uh, walking with your family, walking with the Lord and responding to his leading through those different seasons. I think that that's that, that could just be really inspiring for, you know, some people that maybe they've got a similar life path ahead of them. But, you know, like I know I know for me, I struggled for a long time kind of like settling into what I was supposed to do because I had a lot of things that I was passionate about and a lot of things that I felt like God was speaking to me about. And, but always feeling like kind of like, I, I no, I need to be able to put it in this box, you know? Mm. And uh, so, you know, I, I just think that that it's really inspiring to just see like that the history that you've built with God on this journey of trusting him, being led by the spirit and, uh, you know, even going into very different sectors of, you know, the market and society and and, you know, work and business and ministry and all of that. But just trusting him through that process. So think that that's that's awesome absolutely man i'll just close with one short story that i have for you so last summer i'm in the sawtooth mountains um in idaho favorite place in the world by the way stanley idaho so it's um mm. it's magical 
driving over this mountain pass and uh, I, I wasn't actually present. You know, I'm seeing all kind of the turmoil with uh, at the time soon coming elections and polarization over responses to COVID and, and, and a lot going on in the church as well. It's a, it's a really tough time to be in full-time ministry in that regard, right? With uh, sort of this polarization between progressive Christianity, which I don't have time to talk about right now, but isn't Christianity at all. It's not. And kind of orthodoxy, <laughs> right? Maybe we do a whole yeah. podcast on that sometime. Yeah, but, we should. Um, you know, I'm like, you know, w- what happened, God, right? Like I was planting churches. I was in the mix. Like things were happening. And now I'm in the middle of nowhere in the mountains. And yeah, it's beautiful. But I'm like, God, put me back in the game. Mm. And, you know, I said, how long are you going to leave me on the sidelines? He impressed two things on my heart. Number one was, um, I'm saving you for later. (laughs) Cool. And number two, and most importantly, was just stay faithful. Yeah. And if if there's any encouragement I have for anybody listening today, for you, even for myself, preaching to the choir here, preaching to myself here, it's just stay faithful. Whatever he's called you to do, whatever he has you in right now, just look for opportunities to be faithful to him. Keep going. Love it so much. That's it. Love it, man. So good. Well, I appreciate you, brother. Um, at the end here, do you, is there anywhere that I have, for anybody watching, I have wildstory.com, W-I-L-D story.com up on the screen. Is there anybody else you would, you know, point anybody to that might be interested in either connecting with you further or learning more about what you do or anything like that? I think that's a great place to connect with me. If you wanted to get in touch, there's a little contact us button and, even some free resources that you can download on the website there. Um, I think I'm more excited to point to someone else instead of myself. Very excited about this project right now. Uh, it's a project called Brother Fount. If you remember Dr. Fount Lee Schultz from Elam, Duke, yeah, we've been uh, doing some video work with him. We just, uh, myself and friend of mine, Jeremy uh, Belowski, who's an incredible videographer, we drove to Myrtle Beach and spent a couple days with Fount just documenting his story and his legacy message. So if you go to, uh, just look on Facebook for Brother Fount, um, you'll see his Facebook page, you'll see some videos that are coming out. We released two of about 20 videos. And what was on my heart was he was such a profound teacher in my life, probably mm. uh, someone who's influenced me. He's on a short list of top influencers in my life, at least in yeah. a spiritual sense. And uh, it was on my heart that um, his message is too obscure. And mm. so we've tried to capture that on video, but he's also a phenomenal author. So if you have an opportunity, I don't care about Wild Story right now. Go check out Brother Fount, check out his videos, his message. And because on the topic of just stay faithful, um, that's what this project has been born out of, is trying to encourage the body of Christ through believers who have gone before us, through believers who have stayed the course and stayed faithful to Jesus. I think they have something to say to us to keep us encouraged on our own uh, faith walk. So check out his stuff. I think it's going to encourage you greatly. Buy some of his books. All right. So good. That's so good. Brother Fount. This dude has been in ministry since 1957 and uh, just been such a gift and a father in the body of Christ. And uh, so many, but I don't even know how many books he has. He has got so many books, but yeah, just check that out. That is, that's all. Okay. So Joe, here's what's crazy. Uh, He's my next guest. Uh, He'll, he'll be on on Monday. So we're going to get to talk. So we're going to get to talk about that a little bit more, get into that a little bit more. I thought it was crazy because I just, um, 
I set it up, but I, I had it set up, like, I think, right before I started seeing some of those uh, advertisements coming out Yeah, about that project that you worked on with him. And I just connected with him on the phone. I think it was yesterday or the day before. And, you know, we actually talked about you a little bit because I was like, because uh, he said that awesome. he was working with you. He asked me if I knew you. And I was like, I was like, yeah, you know, it's crazy. Like, you guys are my back to back guests on the podcast. <laughs> it was just funny the way that that worked out. That is so cool. You know, I yeah. mean, yeah, it's again, not remembering the full sermon. One time, you know, I was pouring my heart out as I think a second year student at Elam about all these complicated issues in my life. And I was looking for answers. And he just, we're sitting in his car. He's just looking through his windshield kind of soaking in everything I'm saying. I'm, I'm expecting a strategy that he's going to give me the plan. Yeah. He just says, trusting God would have no meaning without the big question marks. And, <laughs> and that has stayed with me, man. Yeah. So when I'm dealing with the unexpected in life, I remember that statement, you know, and so uh, Brother Fount is, is not big into self-promotion. So he's got phenomenal books that he may or may not talk about. Make him talk about his books and make sure that people go to Amazon and buy some of them because they're they're really phenomenal. Uh, he's got a commentary on the Gospel of John, uh, an approach to the Gospel of John. I've never really heard other people take this approach in their writings. It's very unique, very deep, very profound. Um, and he's got another book coming out soon too, so ask him about that. Cool. Yeah, for sure will. Uh, well, thank you, Joe. Appreciate you again, brother. Uh, love what you're doing, and I just appreciate you carving out some time to add some value to my life and to have this conversation with me and add some value to the, uh, the community here. So thanks again, man. Yeah, Duke, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. All right, everybody. Well, thank you for checking this out. If you watched or listened or both or however you, uh, you caught this podcast, really appreciate it. If this episode blessed you or added any value to your life or to your day, if you consider subscribing, sharing, leaving a review, anything like that would be super, super helpful. Appreciate you guys. And make sure you check out the next episode on Monday morning with, Brother Fount. It's going to be awesome. Thanks again, Joe. Take care.